We all talk about finding our dream job, but Vanessa Westphal not only found it, she actually dreamed it and made it real. During this episode, we talked about the journey she has gone through to develop Choosy, her startup company, as well as how changing the meaning of words we use every day can have the most significant effect on how we perceive our life and the outcome of our work. This is Into Cold Water. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Into Cold Water and Vanessa Westphal. It's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. It's a pleasure. And how was your holidays, Vanessa? Or you, you were on holidays, correct? <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> I was on business travels, actually. Okay. But yeah. So no holidays for you right no, now? No, no holidays. No holidays for you right no now. No time for holidays at this moment. <laughs> Yeah, but it's fun. I have to say it's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um most of most of my travels are in Germany at this point, but actually next week I'm going to Copenhagen and after that straight to Lausanne from there. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no holidays. All business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the plan that's the ideal scenario right <laughs> thank you yeah uh, happy to share a bit about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh it's quite a, a funny story actually i thought i put it up there because it's a nice way to meet people and people find it usually quite funny um <laughs> now it when i was younger so six years old so really young um i wanted to earn some money and started selling toys on the streets and um yeah, my, my mom didn't really like me selling toys on the streets, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, and at some point, I didn't have any toys anymore that I wanted to sell. And I realized also that the people who were buying from me, they didn't buy from me because they wanted the toys, but they, you know, they were maybe neighbors, people stopping by. They wanted to make me happy, I guess. At least I figured I can also try to sell them something different. And I ended up... <laughs> I ended up selling them stones and what I would do is I, I picked up stones from uh, our, our neighbors 
probably shouldn't say this, but <laughs> our neighbors had stones in front of their at their garden. I would so like um, pebble stones or so, so small pebble pebble stones in white. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, so I took them and I would throw them on the street so they would break open into two parts. And in the inside, pebble stones glitter a bit, so I would sell them as glitter stones at two uh, D-Mark at the time at a piece. And it worked quite well. <laughs> it worked really, really well. I made like 60 D-Mark a day, which was a huge amount for a six-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? And, and what were you doing with that money back then, Manessa? Um, Yeah, some of it... I even gave to my parents at that time. I was like, yeah, yeah. and uh, some I saved. Um, so I wasn't particularly keen about doing anything with that money at that point in time. Um, my dad is a, was a business owner and my grandma was also a business owner. So I wanted to, I guess, be like them. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe... <laughs> I don't know, yeah, M maybe. <laughs> they, I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they knew they actually bought the stones back from me. So they went to my shop and bought some stones. Not all of them, they bought like two. <laughs> But I'm sure they knew they were buying their own stones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if you want to call it that way, yes. I started selling a lot of other things. I also started selling flowers from our garden and my mom really didn't like that. So I had to stop <laughs> <laughs> and I found stones. Nobody cares about them. So exactly. why not sell them? Good idea. Yes. Yeah. And another topic that I want to just... Uh, touch upon Manessa because I would like you to tell us of course about your startup you know so that all of our listeners also learn what is it that you're doing now and before that I want to ask you do you like avocados Vanessa? One of my favorite things are foods to eat yeah. <laughs> all right then everything makes sense now to me because what I can see on your on the about you section of your LinkedIn is that you have this uh, emoji of an avocado And in which you're already talking about this combination of food and tech. So I would say, why don't you introduce us to your startup, Vanessa? So what's the name? What is it all about? The name of the startup is Choosy. And we're, our ambition is to help people eat more sustainably and more healthy. And we do this with an app that's made for, for meal planning at the moment. But our vision is, is a lot bigger, actually. Um, so when you think or look at other aspects of life, for example, music or um, dating or reading, if we rely on AI-based recommender systems in so many ways, like Spotify, for example, Discover Weekly uh, is one of the apps I really love. Uh, but when it comes to food, we are basically left alone with our choices. And especially in food, the choices matter so much. It's really really relevant in terms of our health so um and the feedback loop there is really long so you can develop chronic diseases from something you ate 30 so from bad nutrition that you had 30 years ago so that's crazy 
and then also for the environment um i always find or i find it quite quite interesting that we don't talk about the impact of food as much as we should uh, if when when we look at the uh, the impact it does have on the for example greenhouse gas emissions so the top two levers in order to bring them down is number one food waste and number two switching to a plant-based uh, diet so that's um, what we what we aim to help people with but not by finger pointing and saying hey you need to improve or change your habits because we all know changing habits is so so difficult so we believe it needs to be convenient and it needs to be fun so we kind of combine it with gamification aspects uh -huh. to make you really stick to your new, new habits now And it really works. So, for example, in my case, I do use uh, Duolingo, for example, to improve my German. And what I really like about these kind of apps is that they actually use gamification as the basis to give a, a better user experience. And it really, as you said, it really sticks to you. Yeah, Duolingo is actually one of the examples we use quite often to explain the gamification aspects. One of my co-founders um, is... Folk or is coming from the games industry and an expert when it comes to gamification. So, and we believe it's it's working so well. We can see it in Duolingo, yeah. Yeah, it really works. So the formula works. There are so many examples out there that proves it. So yeah, really good formula you're following. Uh, I want to ask you now this, Vanessa, because you told me once a really cool story about how you came up with the idea for your startup, which was you literally woke up in the middle of the night because you dreamed about it and now it's a reality. So what's the story? Um, so about one and a half years ago, I woke up, I literally woke up and sat straight in bed because I had a dream and the dream was an advertisement of the this solution. And I thought, oh wow, this would be so great if that would exist for myself. And uh, yeah, that morning I remember I, I got up, I even had, I had quite an important meeting for work, where which I should have prepared, but I was super excited about this idea and I started straight away contacting people <laughs> to get to, 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 I don't know, I had the feeling I, need to, I needed to do something. And um, yeah, and it was so crystal clear in my head in terms of the, it was really weird because I dreamed of the, uh, the ad, uh, it was a TV ad, um, showing that you can follow nutrition styles of other people by just one click. Um, but at the same time, I also kind of dreamed what the solution could look like or what it felt like rather. So it was kind of strange. And then I tried to work on it by myself and I learned really fast that that's nothing for me. I, I just prefer to work with people. And uh, so I tried to convince two of my friends or one friend first and later on the second friend. And uh, yeah, we started working together and started with first market tests and things like that. And at that point, so I called my idea Freddy Eats. Okay. So <laughs> you already <laughs> see there was a different beginning from yes. my side. Um, And uh, yeah, and we got to a certain point. And then at that point, at the same time, there was some things happening at my day-to-day -day job. Um, we had uh, discussions in terms of, so I was, I was leading an incubator at that point in time at, uh, at Siemens. And we had discussions regarding the budget, what are the next steps. And I realized that 
so I was on the road on scaling regarding like I wanted to scale, I wanted to have an impact, and I realized okay, um, this is not what the unit needs right now, maybe, or it is not what the leadership team sees is best for the unit. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had a hit a dead end or at least a plateau. And then for me, it was really clear or it, the first thought came to mind, okay, I want, I want to quit. And then I talked to my co-founders at that time or my teammates at that time. And, um, yeah, um, we were doing it as a hobby kind of, and it just, yeah it wasn't working as a hobby and I knew they wouldn't want to want to quit. One of them was just in a transition into a new job. So that was really great. And then I kind of dropped the thought. Um, I got to, I don't know, it was uh -huh. sad, of course, but uh, I just saw that it wasn't working the way it was. We were doing it as a hobby. And then um, I was, I don't know, basically frustrated for about three months. And also started looking for other jobs within the company and outside of the company. And I realized there was nothing that really fit. I was so set on building something that I just couldn't adopt a job for something that was already there. And um, yeah, and then <laughs> I signed up for this co-founder matching platform from Y Combinator. This is a US-based incubator um, and quite famous They've invested in a couple of famous startups, or many famous startups. And um, yeah, and it was really, really funny because I didn't write that I had an idea. So technically, uh, I said, I'm looking for people with an idea uh, to, to find what's out there. And then I think in less than 24 hours, um, I matched with Julius, uh, one of my co-founders, so we're actually a team of three. And he had the same idea as I had. And I was like, wow, this is a huge coincidence. And I didn't even put it on my profile. So he went on LinkedIn and found out that I, I was into something similar in the past. And so he reached out. And by that point in time, I already had a couple of other discussions with, uh, with other potential co-founders who already who also had an idea. And yeah, and I just realized, okay, this is really what I want to do. And how much coincidence can there be? And on top of that, he met one or one month or something like that ago, um, our third co-founder, um, Hauke, who is a, a techie, really, really into tech, programming software ever since, um, and has uh, researched in terms of how to adapt the Spotify algorithm for food. Okay. So how much coincidence can there be? <laughs> totally. And yeah, and on top of that, we had really... What we didn't have in the in in my first team or in the project team that we had, we didn't we didn't have complementary skills. We all had the same or similar skill sets. Whereas with Hauke and Julius, we had a we had a perfect match. Hauke, um, as a full-hearted techie, being able to do front end and back end. Um, then Julius, um, being a designer, um, focusing on uh, or having huge experience in both product design and games design, and myself coming from as you said, <laughs> having a, a huge tendency towards sales, but also having um, worked with corporate startups was really into the business side of things, even though I studied electrical engineering at some point. But I'm really into um, into like growing a company and especially network products is really my topic and platform business models. And yeah. And this from then on, it was just it was intuition we started working together right away 
and then I jumped. <laughs> in luck. Hmm. I I believe in luck that you kind of build yourself. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I ca I can't really answer this question. Some sometimes yeah, sometimes coincidence probably is a thing yeah maybe okay. i do believe in luck i don't know <laughs> yeah personally i don't i have to say i have to be honest um there's a quote that i love from seneca mm -hmm. which is that luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity and my interpretation of your story is that you and your co-founders were actually ready uh, each one of you in their own way to take the next step and and start building your company and then it was just perhaps a matter of uh, being at the right place at the right time where you and your co-founders uh, made, thing ha made things happen. Uh, so the, the two, uh, it was, uh, you said, uh, sorry, three, three of you, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're a bit more people now, but at that time, uh, yeah, we, we were three plus uh, two uh, working students that were already supporting Julius. So Julius had already started with, together with Hauke building the app. And uh, so I could, they could show me something. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I was thinking about. And so that was pretty awesome. And yeah, I do believe that it's, that you can kind of put yourself in situations to attract this kind of luck, if you want to call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you saw the first MVP, meaning the, the very first version of your app, was it something similar to what you imagined, to what you dreamt of? Kind of. Um, it's really funny um, because in my dream, uh, I had a certain coloring uh, of the ad and uh, of the advertisement uh, that I dreamed of and a certain solution. And it's really interesting because our first version didn't look like it, but our second version does. It's so, so, so creepy. Uh, and I didn't. Um, so the the our the design comes from from Julius as a, he being responsible for the product. So that was quite scary. Um, okay. But also... And were you influencing the design? I wasn't influencing it. Yeah, All yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's... So it was a huge coincidence. I mean, for him, I, I mean, <laughs> based on, on interviews with, with uh, or from customer research and all of that, so it's not pure coincidence. But in terms of when you look back at my dream, it, it sounds a bit like coincidence. And what it's also nice coincidence, Vanessa, is, I yeah. don't know if you know but this was, story, yeah, but so the, I was, the idea I was of I doing the podcast, of doing Into Cold Water, down the idea also the came out some sort of and uh, then see if there, in a similar way. Because like that. That I was so also, uh, it was a weekend, it was I remember perfectly it was a Saturday night I could not sleep and then I woke up uh, in the middle of the night around 4 p.m. Uh, 4 a.m. sorry with this idea in mind so the first thing I did was to take my phone and start writing down everything that I was thinking about so the concept what should it be uh, how should it look like also the colors so very similar to what you just uh, explained in your dream when you thought about your your startup you know what, also something that I recently, I mean, that I learned after that actually is to always keep a notebook next to my bed because I realized that it was perhaps when I could not sleep at night or when I was waking up early in the morning or even sometimes before going to bed that I was just writing my thoughts. I will not call it a journal necessarily, or perhaps, I don't know, I will not call I don't call it a journal, but nevertheless, I do use it to capture all my thoughts, all these random ideas that come to my mind. And perhaps uh, in the future, I will use them for something. But it's something I really like. 
Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I also, I also sometimes use it, but I, I think I like it better to, to write down something on paper. I think it's a bit old school these days, <laughs> but I like it. I like the feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All righty then. Um, I want to ask you as well, Vanessa. So when you started, when you thought about the idea of starting your company for the first time and then until today, what has been the most challenging part of this whole journey? The most difficult thing was believing in myself and growing into the role. Um, so actually being being ready to quit. And I realized when I, as, <laughs> when I was kind of preparing or pre-thinking this, uh, this session and what I wanted to say, I realized that my journey in terms of quitting the company and building something started quite early or started half a year ago or before I actually did it. And that half year was the hardest part, basically. At the point in time when I decided to jump, I was already kind of prepared, I realized, even though it was a strange feeling at that moment. <laughs> I still remember it. Uh, so I was working with Alcan Julius and I just had the intuition, okay, it, it's going so great. And yeah, I'm ready to jump. Um, already like after a week, I started working with them. I was super sure. And um, then I handed in my, um, how do you call it, letter of resignation um, uh, on the last day of the month, on the evening. <laughs> so it was like super spontaneous decision. We we talked in the team and we said, I said, I'm going to hand it in. And uh, the next, uh, so I, I told then to my manager at that time, and she already knew that I was going to quit the role that I had at that time. But she thought I'm going to do something different um, because I didn't actually tell anybody that I was working in parallel on this uh, on this thing. And um, yeah, and then she said, okay, yeah, Vanessa, I'm going to make it happen, whatever I can uh, to make you or to enable you to leave as soon as possible because I understand that the startup takes a lot of work and if you want to dive full into it, I do, I do understand. And she was, she was being super supportive and Yeah, and the next day she was like, or, or yeah, half a day later, basically in the middle of the next day, she was already, okay, Vanessa, you can leave this uh, by the end of this month. We can make it happen. And after we hung up the phone, yeah, it was super nice. And after we hung up the phone, I have to admit I cried because I was mentally not prepared for this harsh cut. I was like, oh my God, I have one month to tell everybody goodbye. And then, I mean, I ended up working for the startup already so much so i didn't really have mm-hmm. time for proper goodbyes uh, i still try to catch up sometimes with people um but i i remember it was a shock in that very moment even though i really wanted it and i think it was really nice uh, just thinking back uh, one thing you said vanessa it was really nice from your manager to be so supportive because i've also heard a lot of stories of friends uh not not quitting their jobs because they were about to build their own startup but just because they wanted to do something different uh some managers being totally on the opposite of of yours you know so really restrictive really uh just putting roadblocks in front of of in front of these people so i really like what you uh, the story about your manager and how supportive she was and also I assume that as an entrepreneur, you face a lot of roadblocks in your way. And by roadblocks, in this case, I mean no-sayers. So all these people that it's uh, when when you tell them about your idea, about what you want to do now, the first thing they do perhaps is say, 
are you crazy? I mean, you have a really nice job. Uh, you have a nice salary. Uh, why are you gonna, why do you want to do this? And then I think it's in the, in those times when you start thinking, am I doing it right? Or should I just stay, uh, where I am right now in my safe zone or what should I do? So I think it's when your mind just starts wondering, if the step you're about to take is the right one or not. So my question out to you is, how do you deal with this and, and how did how did you do it? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I feel like you're getting so I, I compare a bit. Let me compare a bit the journey as an intrapreneur versus entrepreneur. When I was an intrapreneur, I got a lot more pushback from uh, like people literally telling me uh, no, you you can't do this. I don't believe in it. Or, for example, when I was building the or trying to build the incubator, I got a lot of direct no's. Whereas when you're an entrepreneur, the no's that you get are rather, or the the pushbacks are rather people maybe not replying, not getting the customer you want. So it's much much different when it comes to that because they are yeah. So that is one of the the main things that I that I noticed. And regarding pushback, I think the hardest pushback I got was when I told my mom about the idea one and a half years ago. And um, or no, I actually waited until I told her. So it was about one year ago, and <laughs> she was not happy at all. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so bad. I can't even pitch this to my mom." <laughs> I have to ask you this, Vanessa. How was the pitch to your mom? Do you remember? <laughs> um, I don't remember in detail, but very similar to what I pitched here or what I told you in the okay. beginning here of this podcast. Uh, so, but but what was what was the context? Yes. Were you, for example, having dinner and then you say, "Mom, I have a news for you. I'm gonna yeah. do this." All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. We were having dinner and uh, with my mom and my stepdad, and I told them about it, and they were like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> and I was waiting for the excitement and there was none and there was none right so uh, you were already picturing the champagne bottles popping up but then it didn't <laughs> happen that was not the case at all and they said okay yeah yeah you go do that if you want that <laughs> and, but at first they said something like oh you have you have this great job at Siemens and you're you have such a great career until now or you've made such a great career until now already so why would you give that up but in general they were also probably thinking oh she's not going to do it anyways and i told them there are only two options so with the business model that we have either it's dead in a year or i'm gonna have 50 employees and they were laughing at me <laughs> and um they didn't take me serious at all and that's what that was the moment actually when i realized i need to learn how to sell because if I can't even sell to my own parents, who am I going to sell to? I mean, Vanessa, you were selling rocks when you were a <laughs> six-year-old kid. So I'm pretty sure there's something inside of you that is just a matter of unleashing it. So just do it. Nike, free mention, boom. <laughs> now, a joke aside, um, how did you manage, Vanessa, not to be discouraged, first of all, by the feedback your parents gave you, which was definitely not expected, as you said? And second of all, I also assume that at some point it crossed your mind the idea that you were living your safety net, which was the, the, the job that you had back then. 
So how do you handle this situation? That's the thing. At, I guess if I would have told her a year ago, I'm going to quit now, or my mom or both actually of my parents, they would have said, do you really think that's a good idea? But later, so they saw also a journey happening for me. Um, I wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't happy in my role anymore uh, after, yeah, after a certain time. So I kind of had this mental tipping point. And after they are, they realized there's no going back. They saw me having a lot of interviews. And when I said I wanted to switch roles, I didn't yet say that I'm going to leave the company. But when I said I wanted to switch roles, uh, the HR department actually did a phenomenal job in introducing me to people. And I told my mom about it. And I said, oh, I'm having these conversations. She's like, this is so great. Look how many opportunities you have. And I was like, but I'm not interested in any of them. And that's when they realized it and they were, okay, okay, you go, you go take that risk for a year. And then I, I also told them at that point in time, I didn't even see it as a risk anymore. I was just sad about leaving my colleagues, my friends who, I mean, I've been at the company for nine and a half years. I do have a lot of friends there and yeah. And Siemens has supported me throughout my journey. Um, so. And what do you mean, Vanessa, when you say that you didn't see it as a risk? Yeah. Uh, I actually, on purpose, starting putting myself in, started to put myself into situations that I would perceive as risk. Um, for example, I hated visibility. I would go to network events where I knew literally nobody. And I would tell them there that I'm going to build a business. Okay. <laughs> Those are the kind of weird things so, I did. So basically you were just showing up on a co-working space saying, hey, my name is Vanessa, by the way, and I have an idea you have <laughs> no. to hear. Kind of, kind of like that. Actually, I did, uh, I did meet, meet uh, for example, somebody on LinkedIn, and uh, she had a great ladies network. I went there, and without knowing anybody really, and I only wrote with her on LinkedIn once. Uh, and I thought, okay, these uh, there were some people that are, uh, or they, most of them were entrepreneurs. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna meet them and find out what how entrepreneurs think, and tell them what I want to do. And they were super supportive, which definitely helped me also take this step and i continue to put myself into situations where i would previously thought oh that's a risk but then it kind of lowered the barrier and also then when i when you actually think about it the risk isn't really that much what i mean looking at the job market right now if you do want to have a job it's at least in germany uh, i know it's not true for all parts of the world but it's easy to find a job if you're just working in order to earn money there are always ways to earn money even as a freelancer independent there are always ways and even if i say okay i'm not going to make any money for a year that's a time frame that's with a calculated risk so that isn't even a risk you know vanessa two things i want to take from your anecdote right here the first one is and also uh, talking about the name of the podcast, Into Cold Water. So you were just basically jumping every single time, every time you were showing up in these events, every time you were... Uh, actually, the first time you, you decided to go and, and do your startup, you jump into cold water, you've challenged yourself, uh, you went out of your comfort zone, and that's definitely remarkable. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing is, I love how you change the meaning of what risk meant for you. And I think that's a really powerful thing that we all can have 
in just by changing the meaning of yeah. what these concepts mean for us. So for example, for you, a risk was an opportunity to do this. As you say, you took this calculated risk, you saw it as an opportunity and then mm -hmm. it opened the door for you to keep moving and to keep developing your startup and so on and so forth. So I really love, as I said, this concept of, of changing the meaning of such terms like risk, like failure that I already talked about in previous episodes. And I love it. I think we all mm -hmm. should keep that in mind always, that we all have this possibility to change the meaning of the words that apparently people or societies or our friends, families, our team members, so on and so forth, see them as a negative concept. But then it's up to yeah. us to find in those words the meaning that we need to keep moving forward, to keep pushing in the direction of achieving our goals. Uh -huh. Thanks. Yeah, I, th I think it's a mindset exercise. Exactly. Call it, or mental exercise. Exactly. Finding joy in taking risk. Finding yeah. joy in the things. Totally. Um, and yeah, so it's really a matter of kind of teaching your own brain. I, regarding, um, so it's a matter of perception. And when you just shared the story, it made me think of a video from Simon Sinek. Um And he interviewed a couple of um, sports, like a, a couple of athletes, and asked them before the Olympics, "Are you are you nervous? Are you nervous at all?" And <laughs> and they all said, "No, I'm not nervous. I'm excited." And he said, and that really changed my perception about a lot of things. He said, "Okay, the same. The body reaction for nervous and excited is the same. Mm. It's just a matter of interpretation. So before you." I don't know, go on a stage before you do something that makes you nervous. Tell yourself or start telling yourself that it makes you excited. I'm excited. Yeah, and then this your brain starts switching. You need to do that over and over again. It's not going to work for the first time. It's not going to work for the second time. But the 10th time, it starts to work. And it's the same with risk. I think it's like uh, you have to program yourself. You have to reprogram yourself or you have to give mm -hmm. or bring this new operating system to your mind, right? The version 2.0. Yeah. And do you have any recommendations, anything that you do to reprogram, to update your mind every now and then? I do. Uh, I do meditate every day and I do have a mantra. Whenever I'm, I'm down, I get a lot of no's. I say what belongs to me comes to me. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, and that kind of gets me in a relaxed or more relaxed mode and, uh, Yeah, that's what I what I tell me myself to calm myself down. <laughs> that's beautiful. And it reminds me of a similar practice that I do. I learned it from a really good friend of mine, Lucas, which is nothing belongs to us. So that the moment I, I start thinking in that direction, it gave me a lot of peace. And also, as you said, so it's a constant practice. It's not just mm -hmm. from one day to the other. But then it really changes the way you see things because you realize what I have now, it's not going to be forever. And I'm not only a talk about physical things, let's say my house, my car and so on, but also my family, my friends. So nothing belongs to me. And this detachment really helps me go throughout the day because as I said, it gives me some sort mm -hmm. of mental peace. 
And do you have any, or do you do this exercise in any particular time of the day? So I usually do it in the mornings or also when I, before going to bed every night. So do you have any particular time you do it? In the mornings. Yes, in the mornings. I take a calm time for myself. I put on classic music or relaxed music and then I write down whatever comes to my mind. And usually I start with very negative thoughts because that's what keeps my brain busy sometimes, like the negative things. And then I talk myself into or, or I turn them into positive and I always end with a mantra and then I'm completely calm and I don't stress about the things anymore. Now that you said this, there's uh, there's another practice that I do, which I quite like it, which is thinking about the worst case scenario. So what's literally the worst thing that can happen if I have a trouble in front of me? And when I think about it, literally, when I really think about it, what's the worst case that can happen if I do or do not do X, Y, and Z? And when I picture these different scenarios in my head, somehow it also helps me to relax because so far there has been nothing too critical that really that that is really worth it of taking this peace of mind that i try to have every day you know what i mean so it's also a similar practice that you could just do every day just giving some suggestions following up with what we discussed before which is always thinking about the worst case scenario what's literally the worst thing that can happen and thinking if this situation it's really worth giving your energy to if this situation it's really worth spending too much time overthinking and overthinking or if it's just something that we should not dedicate too much energy and too much mind power to it yeah actually now that you're saying that uh, i do do that but not very consciously i don't call it worst case scenario but for example when i was giving the first uh, webinar <laughs> i was quite nervous um and i was <laughs> it was quite funny maybe but i was nervous that nobody would come listen and i thought well what's the worst case that what 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 is really bad about if nobody comes listen i'm still gonna have an awesome conversation with this really great moderator and yeah so what is really the worst case and a lot of things are like that. When you really consider what can happen, what can go wrong, then it isn't so bad after all. There is a quote uh, I love from Seneca, which says, we suffer more often in our mm -hmm. imagination than in reality. And I think it just applies perfectly to this. So mm -hmm. we just picture a lot of things that most probably would never, ever happen, but we keep them in mind and they just mess mm -hmm. up with our peace mess up with our thinking <laughs> mess up with our heads true and at the end yeah. they never happen absolutely true mm. vanessa now what's next for you what's next for choosy uh, i'm pretty sure you already thought about it <laughs> yeah i think probably that's a common thing for founders you're always already in your head you're always already on the next step thinking what what can you do how can you grow this further so oh, I could tell you about a bunch of ideas or, or thoughts that we already have, feedback that we got where we can extend. Um, but right now we focus on building the first or getting the first customers, which we good, got um, already. Uh, 
we're in fundraising right now. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so we have we do have a platform concept. I didn't go into detail regarding that, but we have a platform concept with four sides. So the first thing that you want to do is kind of validate the model from all perspectives. And that's what we've been doing for yeah the past two months since we launched and we validated all perspectives. And yeah, now it's it's like, can we scale this? Yes. Can we scale this? Yes. Did we understand how this works? Can we scale it? And so on. And, and then it's about speed. And now, yeah, that's when you start fundraising. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we definitely have a plan on how to use uh, that money already. I want to ask you now, Vanessa, a similar question I asked on the previous episode in which I talked to Irene Rentrop and uh, she was talking about her startup uh, called Edurino. And the question was, and is also for you now, if you have experienced any difficulties or any, or if you have seen any major differences being a woman starting her own company versus what you've seen of startups in which it's uh, men who are the founders? Yeah, really good question. Um, I do really see... I, I didn't expect to see such a difference between how female founders and male founders are treated from not, and, and I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, I've seen, so one thing that really, let me start maybe from in my corporate role again, because one thing that I really disliked about corporate was this whole entire um, female equity thing. Really? Yeah. It, it's a pity. There's still so much going wrong and I, I just couldn't stand working in a field anymore where the leadership style was so male, not only from amount of people who are male, but male leadership in general, how the world functions. And I thought, oh, wow, yeah, I'm going to quit the startup world. Everything is better. <laughs> and it's not. It's even worse. So only 2% of funding um, goes into female founders. It's really, really insane. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, don't uh, yeah I, I read about a lot of numbers but don't quote me of them so I don't want to say any more numbers but in general uh, or let me share something from one study that uh, one other female founder shared with me um, so that was a test where um, there was they made a test where they sent a recording of a pitch deck um, so the same kind of pitch deck same voiceover so the same text one from the female and the one from a male founder to investors. And they asked them for their feedback. And what do you think, what was the answer? I would assume the balance was shifting more or 100% towards the male founders. Yeah, so more than two thirds of investors said that they would like to invest or they would invest in the company of the male founder. And less than one third said they would like to invest in the company of the female founder. And they, even when they, when they analyzed or said they were asked why, and they even said the exact same point. So the structure was great. The business model seemed uh, well thought through. And for the female, they said the exact opposite. The structure was really bad, even though they had the exact same script. So, and that's, that's unconscious bias and nobody, neither in the corporate nor in the startup world is free from it. So it's really important that we develop structures that enable or at least help these kind of decisions. For example, 
let a pitch deck that comes or let a pitch that is made by a female be evaluated by a female investor. But then there's the thing also, there are not so many female investors yet. But one really, really positive thing that I observed is that there are all female founders and female investors, they're really, really helpful, really open. Um, I love the entire scene when it comes to that. They're so, I met amazing, really amazing founders, female founders who are just willing to help even though they didn't even know me yet. And I think this is a positive side of it. And now as a female founder, Vanessa, so what's your what's your role now? So what are you doing now in this regard to support this community of, of women that wants to follow a similar journey that the one you've taken so far? Two things. So in, a co in any conversation that I have, but not only with females, um, in any conversation that I have, I always think about what can I do for the person across the table of me? Um, that was always the first thing that I think about when I enter a meeting. The second thing is what can they do for me? So first thing, what can I do for them? Um, and particularly for females, I'm trying to share what I learned. I'm very open when it comes to that. And the other thing is I focus, I also focus on entrepreneurs. Um, so I, people reach out. So people either who want to build something within uh, a company or who want to, who are on the verge to jump. Um, some from my from my old job reached out and then I tried to help them overcome this risk thinking and and I think this is yeah this is the most effective or the, the most important thing when you want to start overcome this fear of risk that's great you're doing this Vanessa and I can only encourage you to keep doing it and i can only encourage all of our listeners who are, might be interested in following a similar journey to yours to reach out uh, it's all about connecting people it's all about asking for help it's really hard that we can achieve great things just by ourselves so it's it's just a matter of of uh, asking for help raising the hand and say hey, uh, I need some support in this. Uh, how can I do that? Uh, get some advice, you yeah. name it. I mean, there's there's tons of things that can be done just by asking and finding the right support. So uh, from my side, I can only say also thank you, Vanessa, for pushing this startup community forward. Absolutely. Um, I'm always happy to help. Um, you can reach out to me via LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, I can see what I can do for you. Awesome. There you go. To all of our listeners. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Now, who inspires you? <laughs> it really switches a lot. Uh, or, or depends always on what kind of phase I am in, what I'm eager to learn. And then usually the person that is mastering that skill or in my eyes, masters the skill is uh, is the one who inspires me at the moment. In um, in Germany, I would say it's, uh, for example, Verena Pauster, because she is really standing up for what she cares about, and she doesn't just uh, say she cares about. She also starts initiatives, starts projects. So um, that's something. And she's also very entrepreneurial. And uh, so that's why she's an inspiration. Also, the the co the founder of Spanx. I don't know if you 
you know her as Sarah Blakely. Yeah, she is. Uh, she gives it. Have a look at Masterclass. She does an awesome Masterclass on entrepreneurship. And uh, yeah, but it it switches. I had a point in time where Benoit, uh, Benoit Mandelbrot, a very, very smart okay. mathem mathematician. mathematician, was my role model because okay. I, I loved his Mandelbrot thing and I thought it was really amazing how he found out about fractals and how they're also found in nature. So it switches. <laughs> But I think that's really nice because you have diverse inputs from different, very different people. So from mathematicians to entrepreneurs. So that's really cool, I think. Um, Vanessa, we're coming closer now to the end of our session. But before we close uh, today's episode, I want to ask you, what are the mental tools you would recommend all of our listeners to always keep in mind, to always use? my two favorite ones the one that i the one that i already mentioned um what belongs to me comes to me so don't be sad if you get a no it's maybe i always say a no is a not a no it's a not yet and um the other thing is yeah try to take any situation as a gift so even if you get a pushback from somewhere it's just giving you a redirection and if you try to find the gift in that situation you can unlock a lot of energy <laughs> yeah you can always turn and not yet interview yes at some point i even try to make it a game so try to have fun on the things you do and how do you turn it into a game <laughs> I'm then I'm trying to uh, find out what could turn the no or the not yet into a yes. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> so you follow your gamification concept as well. <laughs> yeah, for fun. For fun, yeah, very good. It's always important to have fun. Yeah, that's great, Vanessa. Um, I can only say again, Vanessa, it was a pleasure talking to you. It was quite interesting to listen the whole experience of your journey. Where are you now? Where are you going with your startup with Choosy? I'm quite excited and uh, with what's coming for you. I'm pretty sure it's going to be quite successful. Uh, can I download the app already? Is it already available? Yeah, and it's free. So anybody who wants to have a look, it's free. <laughs> there you go, everyone. Go and download Choosy now and start enjoying the new venture <laughs> from Vanessa and Vanessa to you I can only wish you all the best all the success in the world with your new company I'm pretty sure we're gonna hear great things from you and your company in the near future and it was a pleasure talking to you thanks yeah thank you and thank you for having me it was really a pleasure pleasure was all mine Vanessa and to all of our listeners see you next time oh. Into cold water.